championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, happy September. And you know what that means? That means the NBA season is right around the corner. Training camp starts this month. Gosh, that feels good to say. The Lakers were super busy this offseason, and we can't wait for the season to start up. Today, we're going to break down the best and worst moves of the offseason. We're going to give our takes, and at the end, we're going to ask for yours. Joining me to help break it down is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, happy September, man. Can you feel it? It's like it's in the air. We're almost there to the new season. Yeah, honestly, with the with the last season running until July instead of June, and then the very frantic offseason of the trade, it, it felt like we got here really quickly. Uh, but also, I'm. it still feels like we're, we have a long ways to go before basketball is back on the screen. So, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about training camp starting and getting, you know, all the storylines revolving that. But this is going to be a really fun season. Yeah, absolutely. And you're and you're right. We're in that kind of weird in-between zone where it's kind of still far away, but then it's not that far away either. It just kind of depends on whether you look at, you know, the glass is half full or the glass is half empty approach here. But, you know, with the Lakers, we're extremely active this offseason, maybe more active than we expected. So many guys coming out of the season said, let's run it back. We were hurt all season. Let's find out what this team's really got. Rob Palenka said, no, thank you. We are going to tear this thing down just about, and we're going to rebuild it with some new pieces coming in. One of the big ones, of course, Russell Westbrook. But Ron, let's let's go through the best and worst moves of the offseason, and let's get the negative stuff out of the way first. Let's get that done right now, and then we can focus on all the positives. So I know when we were talking earlier, before we started this, we didn't have that many negatives, and that's a great, great thing. But what was one of them that stood out to you? I mean, the big one is, is and everyone's screaming at their screen right now, like, <laughs> how, are you, how are you saying that everything was positive? The, uh, letting Alex Caruso, Alex Caruso walk is a massive negative. It, it showed a reluctance to pay more money for a really quality NBA player, a player that is a fan favorite, a favorite of the players on the team. He does all the right stuff. He contributes to winning basketball in a way that very few players do. Um, everything about it and the contract value was so reasonable and he wanted to come back and it felt like everything, everything about it felt like Caruso should return. And they just said, no, we don't want to pay that amount for him. We feel we can replace him. And it remains to be seen if they're right. But on the surface, before we've started playing games, that's a, a huge negative. It's probably, it's not only the biggest negative of their off season. I think it's one of the biggest negatives of the whole off season. Wow. So that's, I mean, I was definitely hurting from losing Caruso as well. I felt that one for sure. I know a lot of fans around around Lakers Nation felt the same way. They were frustrated by the loss of Alex Caruso, three years, 37 million with the Chicago Bulls. And with the report that he came back to the Lakers and said, hey, if you match this, I'll stay. I want to stay in purple and gold. And in fact, if you guys don't want to do a three-year deal, I'll do a two-year deal for 30. If you'd rather do that, I'm okay with that too. I'm open to negotiate here. I'd like to stick around. And the Lakers said, nah, we're not even going to counter for this. Now, there would have been a massive luxury tax bill. And I think that's where there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? Like, it's easy for us to say, well, just pay them when it's not our money. Maybe we'd feel a little bit different if it was. But still, it's a weird spot for the Lakers to suddenly decide, okay, this is where we're going to draw the line when you're trying to put, put together a championship roster. You think you would pull out all the stops. And so that's 
it didn't sit well with many Lakers fans that Alex Caruso is now in a Chicago Bulls jersey. It's still hard to look at. The Bulls put out that jersey swap. Oh, it was like a gut punch. So I agree, Ron. I don't think that was a a great decision by the Lakers. I understand you don't want to spend money that you don't have to, but still losing Alex Caruso over what seems like just money. It wasn't so much he got a better opportunity somewhere else. It was just money. Um, it, it was a strange decision. Yeah, and look, you're right. It's not it's not our money, so it's hard to say just hike up the $40 million that it would have cost to keep him in luxury mm-hmm. tax. But at the same time, you're trying to win a championship, and players like Alex Crusoe certainly help you get there. Um, obviously, if they go out and win this year, then none of it matters. I'll, I'll eat my words. Uh, good for them for, for taking that route and still winning. I just, it it is a bit, it's a bit strange that after going out and getting Russell Westbrook, who makes $90 million over the next two years, you're paying LeBron James, you're paying Anthony Davis, you're paying a lot of money. It feels like Alex Caruso is a weird place to draw the line, given the chemistry that he's built with the players on the roster. For sure. For sure. All right. One other negative that I want to get into, and that is the Russell Westbrook trade. Now, we're going to talk about the Westbrook trade in a little bit, too. So I don't want to spin this in too much of a negative light, but purely in terms of trade value, when you look at what the Lakers gave up, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, plus the 22nd pick in the NBA draft. In terms of value, based on the amount of money the Wizards were sending, in my mind, it was a head-scratcher as to why the Lakers had to give up the 22nd pick in the draft. I thought for sure if they did give that up, it was because the 15th pick, which the Wizards owned, owned was going to be coming back to the Lakers. I thought they were going to actually move up because value-wise, it doesn't seem like they should have to throw that in there. I've got a lot of people around the NBA, non-Lakers fans, who are trumpeting that the that the Wizards won this trade, and I think they would be saying the same thing even if the pick was not involved. So it was a little bit disappointing to see the Lakers have to part with that 22nd pick, particularly given some of the talent that was on the board when that pick came up. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It doesn't, especially because the Wizards ended up flipping that pick for uh, Aaron Holiday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which Holiday, I would have liked him on the Lakers. And if all it cost was the 22nd overall pick and some salary filler, I mean, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Um but I, I just think, yeah, it's a bit of an overpay. Um, giving up Kyle Kuzman on the Lakers' end of things, giving up Montrezl Harrell in that trade is really a wash. I don't think they expected to play with him on the roster next year anyway. Yes. So I think that's kind of a wash. But giving up Kyle Kuzman and KCP, who are starter-level players in this league, and we can debate how good they are, but they are both starter-level players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I expect that at least, at least KCP will start for for the Wizards. Kuzma probably could, depending on the route they go with their with their rotations, but they're both starter level players. And you're giving up a first round pick and you're not getting anything back for a guy who again, Russell Westbrook is a great player. We'll talk about him more later. But he's making ninety million dollars over the next two years. When you are giving up when you are essentially relieving a team of that big of a contract, you know, it, it's almost like you're doing them a favor. And they also got two starters and a guy who won six man of the year two years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like giving up a pick was just a bit too much. And if they were going to give up that pick, it would have been nice. Maybe not even the 15th, just a future first in return. Just something that feels like equal value on picks. 
Well, now they did get three seconds. And while you can say three seconds probably is an equal value to a first, at least it's something. It eases the pain a little bit. And I will say it was nice work by the Lakers to use a little bit of leverage to make it three seconds because the original deal was two seconds. And then the Wizards kind of built this big five-team trade that involved Spencer Dinwiddie coming to the Washington Wizards, and it benefited the Brooklyn Nets. And so the Lakers used their leverage, and they said, wait a second, we don't want to help the Nets. You need to now give us more if the Nets are going to benefit from this deal. And the Wizards had to give them another second-round pick. So that was a good thing. So they got three seconds. I still would rather have one first, but I will say at least the Lakers kind of mitigated that pain by picking up the three seconds, although one of them isn't until 2028, but they did get a 2023 and a 2024 second. So, okay, that's at least something there. But uh, let's get into the positives. And I guess let's start things off. Let's just completely flip it. Let's start with Russell Westbrook. I think the Russell Westbrook trade, as much as everybody else around the NBA, fans of other teams will tell you this is the worst thing the Lakers could have possibly done. This is a terrible move. My opinion's completely changed. I think this was a great move for the Lakers, and it's the move they've been trying to make for years. Look at when LeBron first arrived, and it was going to be LeBron and Paul George in purple and gold, and they were going to have the trade assets still to go get a guy like, like Anthony Davis. And then AD arrived, and it was going to be LeBron, AD, and maybe Kawhi, and then he went through that silliness that, that he did. And now they finally have the third star that they had been planning to play with all along, and Russell Westbrook. And we can debate fit, but the bottom line is the Lakers. Maybe they overpaid a little bit in the trade, but they went out there and they got a superstar level player to add to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if it results in an NBA championship, nobody's going to bat an eye at the price that they paid. I think it's a worthwhile gamble. When you've got LeBron, you've got AD, you go all in and Russell Westbrook is an attempt to do just that. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about overpaying, we're mainly our gripe is mainly with that first round pick. Uh, Just the Kyle value. Kuzma, KCP, and Montrezl Harrell for Russell Westbrook, straight up, I think that's relatively good value. I think um, though that combination of three players is probably not getting you a better player than Russell Westbrook. Right. That's probably the best you can do. And so Russell Westbrook, it, it's it's you know, he's the best player they could have gotten with that package. And so you add that third star to LeBron and AD, the three of them clearly talked about it and they felt that this was going to work. So Rob Palenka trusts that. Um, Russell Westbrook is an LA, an, an LA guy. You know, this is, this is the homecoming that he's been wanting for a couple of years now, according to all the reports. Um, so this is, this is kind of a great move for the Lakers in terms of not only getting that third star that you've been seeking, but also getting a guy that really resonates with this city. And Russell Westbrook has done a great job being just good for the cities that he's played in, Oklahoma City, Houston, D.C. He was very involved in the community. And now putting him in a community that he grew up in, that he's very familiar with, I do think it's a great move overall. Obviously, there's fit questions, but that can be addressed. These are three such talented players. Just get it on the court and figure it out as you go. You know what? And we've, there's so many people that are saying this is never going to work. But how many times have we seen that play out where everybody says, oh, that's not going to work. Look at Dwight Howard when the Lakers won a championship. Everybody was saying that's not going to work. Dwight's going to implode. That, that will never work out. And then he ended up being basically a model citizen and helping the Lakers win a championship. Uh, think back to the, the incarnation of the seven second or less Suns when it first leaked out that the Suns were going to go small. Everybody rolled their eyes and said, no, there's no chance. They're going to get demolished. 
and now look, they completely changed the way the game of basketball is played in the NBA. Now you're seeing more small ball than anything else, and teams are playing faster and faster and faster. We've seen these instances throughout sports history where people say that will never work, and then they're proven wrong. I'm going to trust that LeBron James, that Anthony Davis, that Rob Palenka, they know what they are doing, and adding Russell Westbrook is going to be a positive for the Lakers. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit of an extreme, but when Kevin Durant signed with the Golden State Warriors, le- people were legitimately saying, there's only one ball. How is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And not only did it work, it was like, it was basketball magic. Like, it was the greatest thing any of us have ever seen in terms of just pure basketball, just, pure, yeah, pure basketball. Just, it's as simple as that. Um, so... I'm not saying this will work to that level because Russell Westbrook is is not what Kevin Durant like these no. it's very different. There's there's but, hurdles. Yeah, there's hurdles, but again, it it's just a matter of even if everyone's saying it's not going to work, you just get the talent on the roster on the court and let them figure it out. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are three insanely intelligent players. They'll figure it out. Yep, agreed. Um a guy that I just referenced a minute ago, bringing back Dwight Howard and bringing back Rajon Rondo. I think these were inspired moves by the Lakers. I think this was the correct decision. I think you can argue that Andre Drummond, essentially the Lakers chose Dwight Howard over Andre Drummond. That's basically what happened because both signed for veteran minimum deals. They just switched places. Andre Drummond went to the 76ers. Dwight Howard came back home to the Lakers. uh, And then Rajon Rondo, bringing him back into the fold. You might be able to argue that Andre Drummond at this stage might be a better player in a vacuum than Dwight Howard because he's so much younger but Dwight fits what this team needs and Rondo fits what this team needs. And you have so many new players coming in this season. There's so many new faces that they actually provide continuity. No, neither one of them were Lakers last season, but they were the season before when they won an NBA championship. They felt the chemistry. They felt the camaraderie. They felt what it takes to win a championship and they know the path that they have to travel. And it's going to be important to have voices like that in your locker room this season in order to foster that kind of chemistry and that kind of continuity. So this is a bridge, not to last season, but to the season before. And that's not even mentioning what they can bring you out there on the basketball court. So I think bringing back Rondo, bringing back Dwight Howard, older players, the Lakers have a lot of older players, but I still think these were great, great moves by Rob Palenka and very, they were very specific about going after guys that were part of that championship team and bringing them back into the fold. And I think this was a great move for them. Yeah, chemistry-wise, this is exactly what they needed. They needed a center like Dwight who can play his role on the court while also just being being pleasant to be around on the court. And that's not a slight to Andre Drummond. I'm sure he's a great guy. It just, yeah. it's, they're, they're looking for different things at this, at this point in their careers. Yes. Andre Drummond is still trying to prove that he can be a top option on a good team. And Dwight Howard is saying, look, I've, I proved that 10 years ago. I'm done proving that. I'm just trying to win rings. As many as I can possibly collect before I retire. So it's just different things that they're looking for. And it's the same with Rondo. And the good, the good thing is both of them also provide value on the court. And so we, we, we're not really going to talk about Jared Dudley here. But his kind of issue was he no longer could provide the value on the court that he used to. And he knew that. He ended up retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, Rondo and Dwight still bring that, you know, Rondo in the regular season probably won't play much, but in the playoffs, if Kendrick Nunn can't provide the backup point guard minutes that you need, Rondo can, he's proven that Dwight, he can, he showed you in the Denver series again with the Lakers. He showed you in the finals when you need him, he can be there. 
So this is just, I think it's a great move in, in, in both ways. I think it's a slam dunk to have both of them back. And I think when you look at these guys, they both, and you, you mentioned this here, they both have the mentality of we don't care if we're on the court or not. Right? If, if they sit out two, three games in a row, Rondo mentioned this in his uh, press conference yesterday, he understands that he's not going to play that, that many minutes. That's not really what his role is. And we've talked about the phrase, be a star in your role, and that kind of being the mantra for the Lakers. These two guys will embody that. For Dwight Howard, if a certain matchup says he's on the bench, he's going to cheer louder than everybody else. He's going to be the biggest cheerleader ever. And if the matchup requires that he's in the game, he's going to give you solid physical play. And he's going to be just as locked in either way and just as happy either way as long as they get the win in the end. And that's what you need on a team that's going to hopefully win an 18th NBA championship. Uh, Another solid move here, positive, was just the veteran minimum deals in general. Across the board, you look at the guys that the Lakers landed for veteran minimum deals, right? We talk about maybe they gave up a little bit too much value in the Westbrook trade. They make back a lot of that and then some in these veteran minimum deals that they got. Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, We talk about Wayne Ellington. All of these guys that they went and added. Uh, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, my goodness, right? These are all guys that arguably could have gotten more than the veteran minimum that other teams probably aren't getting to sign for the veteran minimum. And yet with the Lakers, with limited resources, they landed these quality assets and even some with real upside like Monk. I think they did a fantastic job filling out their roster with these veteran minimum deals. Yeah. And look, these are all really quality players. Like Carmelo Anthony has his flaws. He's, He's old. His defense has slipped from already not a great starting point. Um, but he still provides something for you. And he provides something that the Lakers are going to need, which is a guy who can just go score. He doesn't need, he doesn't need this crazy offensive set to get him open. He can just get the ball in his hands and go get two points or three points. Like he can just do that. Trevor Reza is a guy who can defend most wings in this league. Even at his, at his older age, he can defend most wings in this league. And that's something the Lakers are going to need, especially in the regular season when LeBron is, Probably going to take some defensive possessions off, rightfully so. Uh, Malik Monk, twenty-three years old, like he he can provide something, and I, we've we've all said that if he pans out the way he could, he will be the best signing of the offseason because he's twenty-three and he's on a veteran minimum, and he shot forty percent from three last year. So th- there's there's real room for him to be an impactful player, and you see it with all of their veteran minimum. So yeah, really shout out to Rob Palenka, really great job getting value on these deals. You know, a lot of these weren't really a surprise, right? Like, okay, it makes sense. Trevor Ariza coming for a veteran minimum. Carmelo Anthony, these guys are sacrificing some money in order to potentially win a championship. Wayne Ellington, these guys are veterans who have been in the NBA for a long time. The Malik Monk one was the one where you felt the ripple effect around the NBA. You felt everybody go, wait, what? Because they were thinking, okay, Malik Monk, that's going to be the taxpayer mid-level, right? That's going to be that $5 million. That, that's what they must have given up for Malik Monk. Wait, they got him for a veteran minimum? How is that possible? That was the shock move, I think, of the offseason for the Lakers was to land him. And it's such a great value that even if he doesn't pan out, even if things don't work out, his defense particularly is an area that he needs to improve in. If that doesn't happen, it's still beyond a worthwhile risk. You're, You're risking just about nothing because it's a veteran minimum contract with the potential for a fairly high reward because this is still a very talented young player with real upside. So I think they did a great job. And that was the big question, right? After the Westbrook trade, everybody was saying, oh my gosh, how are they going to fill out this roster? They really only have veteran minimum deals. How is this going to work? Rob Polinka knew. 
if he had if he had some money to offer, if he had playing time to offer, players would sacrifice money in order to play in LA with LeBron, with AD, with Russell Westbrook, potentially win a championship. That would be the draw, and he was absolutely right because they have put together a really impressive roster. Yeah, and and I think that goes into our our last guy. Uh, you know, speaking of value, we're not talking about minimums anymore, but Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another player that is young, is highly talented. And although he has some flaws, both on the court and off the court, the Lakers got him at a very reasonable cost using just a little bit less than that taxpayer mid-level. Uh, yeah, the taxpayer mid-level when around the league, when he became an unrestricted free agent, it looked like he was going to get closer to a full mid-level, you know, $10 million, $9 million. The Lakers got him just under five. So really incredible value for a young player who in the regular season, at the very least, is going to provide incredible backup point guard minutes when Russell Westbrook's off the floor or even with Russell Westbrook. So that that's a really quality signing uh, at a great value. I mean, Kendrick Nunn, like, let's just forget that it's Kendrick Nunn and just think about this. You got a player who started the vast majority of the games that he played for his team last season, shot 48% from the field, 38% from three, and averaged about 15 points per game. And you got him for $5 million and he's 26 years old. That's ridiculous. That's that's incredible. And we can talk about, look, maybe he needs some work defensively and things like that. But a guy who was a legitimate NBA starter last season, scoring points in that level, scoring with that efficiency, logging 30 minutes a night, not for a bad team, for a playoff team, that's impressive. That's very impressive from Kendrick Nunn. And that's great that the Lakers were able to get him at the price tag they did. And it's also a guy who, in his rookie season, started, I believe, the majority of games for a team that went to the finals. Like, he started playoff games for a team that went to the finals in his rookie year. And the Lakers now have that guy for $5 million. Uh, yeah, it's a great value. Um, Kendrick Nunn, yes, he has flaws. He's not a, he's nowhere near a perfect player. Mm-hmm. But this is another guy who can kind of just get the ball in his hands and he can make something happen. He he can shoot the ball really well. He can he can slash to the lane. He has decent court vision. Like he has stuff to make it happen. So once again, the Lakers, they maybe gave up a little bit extra in the Russell Westbrook trade. Maybe you shouldn't have let Alex Caruso go. But when you look at the guys they brought in and the price tags you got, guys like Kent Bazemore, like Malik Monk, all these other players, Kendrick Nunn, they made back that value in free agency, I believe. And that's kind of been the the MO of the Lakers front office over the years now. Uh, but this has been a great offseason in terms of free agent signings. And I think that was, again, that was the big question mark. As soon as the Westbrook trade went down, a lot of people said, oh, they're not going to be able to fill out their roster. And Rob Palenka said, oh, yes, I am. And you look at the team they've put together. I can't wait, Ron. The more we talk about this, the more excited I get for a training camp to start, start preseason games, I want to see these guys get out on the floor. Yeah, and I, I don't want to accuse anyone of tampering. I would never do such a thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but Rob Palinka probably doesn't make the Russell Westbrook trade if he isn't fully aware that he is going to be able to fill out the roster with quality players on discounted contracts. Like, he, he probably doesn't make that deal if he doesn't know for a fact that that's going to happen. So the fact that it did happen, maybe it surprised some, but again, teams don't make... Teams don't make moves without kind of knowing, at least in some fashion, what their follow-up is going to be. Like, especially moves that ship off half of your roster 
for one player, Russell Westbrook. Like teams don't make that move without knowing what the backup plans are. So Absolutely. It just yeah. And that's and that's been Rob Polinka's skill set. That's been his MO. That's been one of the things he's been really good at is having a fallback plan. Right? I mean, I always think back to the Kawhi Leonard thing. As soon as Kawhi said no, Polinka immediately executed plan B, which was okay, Danny Green, come on down. Da 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 just started knocking off all of these signings very quickly because he had them all lined up and ready. Rub Polinka has always had these fallback plans, these contingencies. And I think we saw this here with the Russell Westbrook trade. As soon as the trade was done, he knew, okay, I'm going to have these players. Maybe something changes in the middle of free agency. Maybe somebody comes in and offers more to a player they thought they were getting. But overall, he does a nice job pivoting and bringing in pieces to round out the roster. So again, we can't wait for this season. Lakers Nation, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think were the worst moves of the offseason for the Lakers. We said the Westbrook trade in terms of value and letting Alex Caruso go. And what do you think were the best moves? We said just about everything else. They did great elsewhere. Their veteran minimum deals, bringing back Rondo and Dwight, making the push to get Russell Westbrook, taking that chance on a superstar caliber player. And of course, then you've got Kendrick Nunn coming in for the taxpayer mid-level. So give us your thoughts in the comments section down below about the best and worst moves that the Lakers made this offseason. Make sure you guys are following Ron Gutterman over on Twitter at RonGutterman24. You can follow me at Trevor underscore Lane. Find me on Instagram at TrevorLaneNBA and find Ron on Instagram at Ron Gutterman. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.